Hello, I'm Flick and you're listening to Everyday Burnout Conversations. This is the honest podcast that shares burnout expertise along with the stories of others from all walks of life that strive to inspire and help you manage and avoid burnout. Now, my passion for burnout and self-care came about when I became a mental health writer who'd lost her own mental health to severe burnout. And it's an irony that's not lost on me. So get set to enjoy another great conversation, delightfully wrapped up in some wisdom, humour and great storytelling. Enjoy. In this episode, I chat with Dr. Michael Amster, who is the co-author of one of my favourite new books, The Power of Awe. And you know what? If you're someone who finds it really hard to meditate or make time for it, then I'm telling you now, you're in for a little treat with this chat today. Michael Amster is a physician with 20 years of experience as a pain management specialist. Now, he's currently the founding director of the pain management department at Santa Cruz Community Health, and he's been a student of meditation for over 30 years. Years, as well as being a certified yoga teacher and meditation teacher. Now he splits his time between clinical work, research on awe, teaching mindfulness and leading awe-inspiring retreats around the world. And now I discovered the work of Michael and his co-author Jake Eagle, who's a psychotherapist, via their recently published book that I highly recommend reading. It's titled The Power of Awe, Overcoming Burnout and Anxiety, Ease Chronic Pain, Find Clarity and Purpose in Less Than One Minute a Day. And in this fabulous conversation, we chatted about finding, embracing and using awe to tackle burnout and exhaustion from daily life. I'm really looking forward to sharing this chat with you as honestly practicing awe is something I've incorporated into my day now. So let's crack on with this lovely everyday burnout conversation with Michael Amster. Michael, this is such a treat to be able to sit here with you. I am absolutely head over heels for your book. It was an incredible read. It's one of those books that you start reading and then you're like, ooh, like mine literally is filled to the brim with highlighter. And I had to like take photos of little paragraphs and text them to my friends and whatever, because it's just, wow, it really kind of, you know, packs the punch. It's just incredible so well done to you and jake (laughs) oh thank you flick it's like such an honor to be here and to get to meet your community of listeners and uh, to finally get to meet you in person and i am just in awe of how inspired you are by our book and before we started chatting today i got a chance to look at flick's um highlighted version of the book and she has probably (laughs) 200 sticky notes in this book Um, (laughs) i'm I'm truly in awe of, of how excited and thrilled you are by reading our book and you know i've when you write a book um and it's a long process it took us over two years to write the book uh, and if you include our research, it's over a three-year process. But when you write a book and you put it down for a while and then you pick it up again and you reread it, it's just beautiful when your book has these layers to it, like an onion that you peel off. And I'm I'm just I'm in awe of what we created and so thrilled to see how every time I pick up the book, there's like another layer that I get out of it. I mean, I feel like this is gonna be a real timeless classic that is helping people to to reconnect what they most value, appreciate, and find amazing in their lives. And we've lost touch with that in our over-connected technology world. We've lost awe, sadly. Um, 
And this is what we do is bring people back to the power of awe and the most powerful emotion, positive emotion is awe. As we'll talk about in the next hour, I'm sure. I know. Absolutely. You know what? It's one of those books, like, obviously, I've got like 50,000 page flags in it. But even when you just kind of, it kind of falls open on your desk, I'm like, oh my God, I forgot about that bit. It's really powerful. It's one that you're right. It's a classic. We, we're just going to keep referring to. And um, it's a real powerful tool. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. So to start us off, because obviously for anyone listening to this, can you, let's dive into awe. What is awe for those who don't kind of, haven't heard of this before? Sure. Well, we can all think about a moment of awe we've had in our lives. And when we think of that, you were usually thinking about an extraordinary moment of awe, right? So maybe you can share one flick that you've had in the last year. But um, I mean, what comes to mind for me of an extraordinary moment of awe was my daughter is a whitewater rafting guide and we rode down the Grand Canyon this last summer for 18 days. And, you know, the Grand Canyon is one of the most awe-inspiring places on the planet. Um, so that's what most people think of awe. It's, it's an experience of vastness. It's an emotion that makes you feel connected to something bigger than your smaller sense of self. And when scientists study awe as an emotion, there's sort of two aspects to it. One is that sense of vastness. We call it perceptual vastness. And it it's not necessarily vastness outside out in the world, it could be, you can have an awe moment from something very small and very ordinary, looking at a leaf on a tree. It's what the vastness happens is it happens inside of yourself. You feel connected to something greater, whether you want to call it God or the universe or some type of planetary consciousness. That's It makes you feel part of the vastness of all life on earth. And the second thing is, is that awe gives us what's called cognitive accommodation, which it changes our perception of reality in that moment. Like you're like, huh, wow, how is this even possible? You know, how in the middle of the desert did this incredible canyon get carved by a river, the Colorado River? That's that's pretty small relative to the size of the Grand Canyon. Um, you know, though it just changes your perception of reality for that moment. Um, and what's really amazing about awe as an emotion and what's been studied over the last 20 years is that we know that awe is kind of the master of positive emotions. It is pro-social, which means that it connects in all these other positive emotions like gratitude, appreciation, generosity, empathy, connection. Um, everything sort of interplays with awe, I think is almost the master emotion. Yeah, absolutely. It was funny. I was just sharing with you before we kind of hit the record button that while I was waiting for you to join me, um, it's snowing here. And so like, we, what are we? We're February, aren't we? So usually in Ottawa, this is when everyone in Ottawa goes, oh, it's snowing again, because life's just so much harder, like driving in the snow and whatever. Now, because I was waiting and I'm calm, I'm looking out the window and instead of kind of going to the gratitude place, which I normally do, where I'm like, oh my gosh, it's snowing, but you know what? I'm very lucky. I have a home. I have shelter. I'm warm. Instead of ticking off those kind of basic needs, I was looking going, oh my God, like look at these snowflakes and look how it's falling. And I started to go to nature to the point that I was so focused that like when you came on camera and you were like, hi, Flick, I kind of jumped and I was just like, <laughs> oh, I was just doing all. <laughs> yeah, you're, 
<laughs> you were totally, you know, and, and we, we talk about when you have a moment of awe, it brings your full attention to something that you value, appreciate, or find amazing. And that's where you were. You were, your hundred percent full attention was there. And, um, you know, I know we'll talk a little bit about, about more about our awe method later, but that's the first step is bringing your full attention. Oh, it's um, amazing. And yeah. so when I started reading your book, I really enjoyed reading about the study you did at the beginning mm -hmm. of the pandemic. And I'd love you to talk a little bit about that because I think it's so relevant to what so many of us have experienced. Yeah, sure. So I'd love to share a little bit, a bit about the background even before our study and, and how that came to be. So my co-author and friend, Jake Eagle, who's a psychotherapist in Hawaii, and myself, I'm a medical doctor, um, a pain management specialist in California. We've both been mindfulness teachers for many years. I was trained as a, a Buddhist practitioner uh, teacher about a decade ago at a place called Spirit Rock Meditation Center here in California and completed a two-year program. And I was leading a Buddhist community, they call it a Sangha, for many years, um, and also teaching mindfulness and meditation to my patients. And Jake and I had a conversation and realized that so many people struggle with developing a regular mindfulness practice, that it takes a lot of effort. It's not easy. Um, a lot of us feel like we fail at it and we end up beating ourselves up and kind of giving up. And it's just, a, in some ways, a, a self-destructive um, cycle that people go through with trying to develop a mindfulness practice. And we had this idea, well, what if we took mindfulness off the, the the meditation cushion, off the mat, right? And put it out into the world and came up with these brief mindfulness practices that we could do anytime, anyplace, anywhere. And I came up with this idea of calling it microdosing mindfulness. And actually that was our initial title of our book was microdosing mindfulness. But then of course there's connotations to that with medicinal okay. uh, mushrooms and psychedelics. And so we really didn't want people, our book is not about psychedelics, but um, I think definitely awe gives us a taste of a psychedelic experience for sure. Um, and so I went out to Hawaii where Jake lives uh, for us to investigate what would be this ideal mindfulness practice that would take 15 to 30 seconds to do. And Hawaii, as you can imagine, is filled with lots of extraordinary awe, awe in the, in the mountains and the oceans and the rainbows and the plants and everything. But it was actually a moment that I had while making breakfast for Jake and Hannah at their home, I was making pancakes and I poured the batter and I've never in my whole life actually sat and watched pancakes go from a liquid to a solid. Like I think most people, we pour your batter and then you're off making sausage or bacon or making coffee, orange juice, whatever. You're just, we're always multitasking. And so I had this profound moment of awe. Like I was just amazed watching the batter turn into a solid pancake and in thinking about the set of circumstances and the chemistry and the heat and all the things that allow that to happen. And I had this, this what I would call an orgasm, a, a profound moment of awe. And from that experience, we sort of deconstructed and realized that we can have awe moments in the ordinary. You can have awe being sheltering in place during the pandemic at, at home. Um, where you are right now, Flick, I'm looking at you on, on the screen and I'm I'm having an awe moment looking at this beautiful plant in your background. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so we discovered that you can have these moments of awe anytime, anyplace, anywhere, and they profoundly shift your nervous system in a matter of seconds. So we um, deconstructed what 
we had come up with and actually used the word AWE, A-W-E, as an acronym, which we'll go into a little bit later. But we taught this in a research study. Um, first, before we did our big study, we had done some pilot studies before the pandemic. Myself and Jake, we both taught a dozen of our own patients this methodology in a 21-day program and saw profound improvement of depression, anxiety, chronic pain, um, improved ability to practice mindfulness and a meditation practice, just really blown away with our initial findings. And so I reached out to Dacker Keltner, who is uh, the founder of the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. He's a psychology professor and really the granddaddy of all awe research. If you look at in the literature on awe, he published the first studies and pretty much every paper out there, it seems like he's a co-author on. So um, he's the expert in the field. And I, we shared our initial data and he was just blown away. And he said, oh, wow, this is the future of mindfulness. You guys have nailed it. Um, all the research before ours was on extraordinary awe. They looked at awe where they brought people to incredibly beautiful places like Yosemite or had people put on virtual reality glasses and see themselves flying over the Grand Canyon. But the problem is, is you can't do this on a daily basis. It's not sustainable and it's not it's not connecting you to the reality of your regular life. And we are teaching people how to find moments of awe in the ordinary moments of their day. And so the pandemic hit right after I met with Dacker. And then we decided out of an urgency of really wanting to help people to design a very quick emergent study of teaching the awe method to hundreds of patients um, primary care patients that were struggling with anxiety and depression and loneliness during the height of the pandemic. And then we also did a second study where we looked at 200 nurses and doctors that were on the front lines during the pandemic and facing severe burnout, exhaustion, fatigue, mental fatigue, um, <clears throat> their own anxiety and depression. You know, it was a horrible time when the the vaccine and any treatment seemed very far off and people were dying, you know, still very severe disease at that point. So we launched our study. We, um, we measured in our study depression, anxiety, um, loneliness, stress, burnout, chronic pain, other chronic health conditions, as well as overall sense of well-being. And our results were just incredible. And so right now we're in the process. We've submitted our our papers, we're publishing three different papers in different journals. They're going to be coming out this year, but we were we were so excited by our outcome of our research that we we wrote our book, and we do share about our research findings in the book as well. And so I'll just highlight a few of them that I think are just really awe-inspiring and quite incredible. So when we looked at depression, we saw a 35% improvement of depression, which, you know, and, and then and all of our data and all of our results were statistically significant. So that means that we've applied the rigor of science and really proven that this wasn't random chance why it worked, but it was really the method that that helped. So, you know, 35% reduction of depression is just incredible considering what we asked people to do was to practice this, this moment of awe, which literally takes five to 15 seconds to do three times a day. That's all we said, you know, practice this three times a day. We did daily measures and metrics, followed people for 21 days, and did um, additional metrics at the end of the studies as well. And you know, saw this incredible reduction of depression, which is equal to that of taking an antidepressant or with no side effects, right? Mm -hmm. 
24% reduction of anxiety, wow. which again is incredible because treatment for anxiety has a lot of side effects. And, um, you know, some of the medications people take like benzodiazepines like Valium are, are addictive. They're not good to take long-term. We saw um, decreases in loneliness, which is so interesting, right? People were sheltering in place and there's something about the emotion of awe that's really special is that it connects us to that vastness. So you can be alone at home, have moments of awe and not feel lonely. It makes you feel connected to the, the vastness of all life in the universe. Um, we also saw decreases in chronic pain and decreases in stress. And then of course, with the doctors and nurses, we looked at burnout and saw incredible you know, decreases in burnout, um, which was so important at the time. And, and one of our papers we're writing right now, I'm going to get published, you know, we, we compare it to some other studies that have been done similar for doctor burnout. And it was, um, our, our efficacy rate was double any other study that we could find. So that's super exciting. And yeah, so right now, um, getting these papers out, we have our book out, and then we're actually continuing to do more research, which we're really excited about, uh, with uh, a big study nationwide with UC Davis and, UC San Francisco for people with COVID long haul, um, which is a horrible condition that's affecting 23 million Americans. And we really don't have any solution for that. Um, so if I don't know when your podcast will come out, but if any of you listeners or have loved ones or yourself are suffering from long COVID, you can Google UC Davis study pages and you can find our study there. It's, it's called the positive emotion study for COVID long haul. Oh, that's amazing, actually, because I do have some um, like friends and connections who are dealing with long COVID. And, yeah. um, you know, when I was reading about the study, um, what really kind of touched me was the loneliness factor, um, because everyone who I've spoken to who has experienced like severe burnout, um, like me, loneliness was a huge component of it because you just feel so isolated, don't you, Michael? And it's just, um, I think, you know, we're so hardwired to have connection and it's that whole kind of parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous, um, system, isn't it? Um, but it's hard, and I appreciate this because I've lived it, I dealt with this. It's actually really difficult to kind of explain to someone who's feeling really burnt out and, and kind of very isolated and lonely um, of, of to give them a little bit of hope. And I think, you know, just the fact that you can say to someone, you know, practice all, just three times a day, 15 seconds. Like it's so doable because I remember like going back to, it was the summer of 2020 and I was like physically, my burnout was taking me down. I'd ignored all the mental health aspects. I'd plowed through and physically my body was just like, right, let's take her down. She's not paying attention to us. And if you told, I can remember lying in the garden and trying to meditate. And I just couldn't, Michael. I was just like, just so, um, the brain fog was there. And I guess the fear and, and the loneliness and just thinking, what has happened? Will I ever be myself again? And if, if I'd had your book, if someone had said to me, come on, Flick, let's do this, 15 seconds, it would have turned my world completely around. I, I promise you, it really would. And so this is why it's, 
so important and why I really wanted to talk to you um, because I think it's such a key a key tool to use when you're kind of really knee-deep in burnout. Oh, I can't hear you. There I am. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I, I completely uh resonate with you. I've I've had some of my own burnout experiences as a medical doctor. Um in fact, I had launched a, an organization called Wellness for Doctors and um, uh, to help people, doctors with burnout and nurses. And it's a, quite funny. I actually burned out on teaching burnout. <laughs> me too. That's what happened to me. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was leading these retreats for groups of burned out doctors and nurses. And it was, um, to be quite honest, you know, it, it burned me out even more. <laughs> it's so... It, yeah. So, um, yeah, interesting, but I can totally relate to the experience of that feeling of loneliness and that it, there's a sense of shame, um, when, when you're going through burnout, especially I, I think in organizations like in medicine, or maybe if you're, um, when you, when you work as, as teams with other people and you, you're suffering and you feel alone, with what you're going through it's a really really hard time and um yeah they're like we like i've already shared what's really beautiful about the emotion of awe and what it does is that and what we know from what it does in the brain in terms of the neuroscience is that it it takes the focus off of the self so one of the parts of the the wiring systems of the brain that is very self-absorbed is called the default mode network and that's a part of our brain that's the that kind of ruminating, self-reflective, um, self-obsessed part of our brain that we have all these thousands and thousands of random thoughts throughout the day that just keep us entertained. And what's beautiful with the moment of Oz that we're teaching people that cultivate is that the default mode network um, quiets down and we are no longer as self-absorbed and self-focused. And we start to open ourselves up to feeling more connected to other people, to um, to the vastness of all life, our ego sense of self decreases, diminishes. And so it's, it's so interesting when our sense of self diminishes, then we um, feel more connected to, to others, to all life. And what's beautiful about the emotion of awe is that it makes us more generous. And they've done these studies, um, most of them have been done at UC Berkeley in our organization, by other researchers prior to us that 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 measured that people were more generous to strangers when you experience awe. Um, you know, you're going to likely feel like giving bigger tips <laughs> when you go out to eat because you just feel, your heart just feels abundant and full when you have moments of awe in your life. You just, what's really nice about awe too, and what we learned from our research is a few things. Um, one is that the more times you dose awe, throughout your day, the more benefit you get. So there's a dose response, which is really quite fascinating. And um, the more you do it, the more benefit you get. And awe is contagious and in a good way, not like in a bad virus way, but in a good way, awe is contagious because when we share our awe with others, um, we inspire awe in other people. Um, on our website, thepowerofawe.com, we have 
lots of different resources. We have an online class that people can take. Um, different courses we're offering for actually burnout, for chronic pain, um, relationships, different aspects. But we have um, in our free resources, we have what's called the Moment of Awe page. And so we invite people to come visit that page and to read other people's moments of awe so that you can inspire your own awe through that, as well as share your awe with other people. And it's just one of these amazing things, you know, when, if you sit down and have a conversation with someone and you start off by saying, you know, tell me about a moment of awe you've had recently. And they think, and they reflect to that and they get all, and you'll see their nervous system change instantaneously. When someone thinks about a moment of awe, you'll notice them become a lot more present. Their breathing rate will change. They'll be a lot more calm and focused. They'll just seem more open-hearted and open-minded. And that's the beauty of what awe does. And the more we share awe, the more we we inspire each other. And really, ultimately, we change the world. So I know before we end today, I want to share a little bit more about our hope and vision about this and the impact of awe on the world. Yeah, amazing. Um, because when I was reading it, like I'm a parent, I've got two teen boys and I was thinking like, oh my God, we need this in the schools, don't we, Michael? Like we've got to get in there with these guys because, you know, they're kind of, um, they've obviously all come through a pandemic life, which, you know, the pandemic has robbed every generation of something, but I'm actually really concerned about the teens. And I just feel like it's such a kind of positive thing to um, just be helping, you know, just enlighten them to this. It's so achievable because what's interesting with... um, certainly I've experienced in burnout recovery and supporting people with that is, um, you know, when you're just so taxed to the nines, you don't want a big to-do list of self-care things. You like, you, you know, it's got to be integrated, hasn't it? As opposed to just ticking things off. Because I feel like the people who burn out are the, you know, the bright lights in the world. They're the the overdoers, the overgivers, the overachievers. And actually to then have a list of, well, burnout recovery is this, this and this and this. You're like, oh, don't give me another list. Whereas if you can have practices that you integrate and it becomes part of your your daily practice and daily life. I think that the the ripple effect then is that those in your circle pick up on this. And that's what I'm really excited about for your work. Yeah, I, I share your enthusiasm. <laughs> I really appreciate that a lot. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's incredible just what I've seen, the ripple effect of the work of what we're doing and how it is inspiring other people to... Um, to make major changes in their life without the amount of effort and um, time and um, the focus that a traditional, let's say, mindfulness practice might take, where it's asking you to practice for 20 minutes a day. or with, And it's so hard to protect that time. And what we're doing here is we're asking people to really, like you said, integrate into their activities they're already doing. Um, and to find moments of awe in these ordinary moments. And you can have an awe moment when you're at the airport, checking in in the security line and being in awe of the people around you or awe of the technology that that detects you know, people's weapons that could cause harm to others. Or you can have an awe moment at a red light. Um, you can have an awe moment when making pancakes for breakfast or lunch for your kids. Um, what's really helpful when people build uh, the awe practice is to 
do what's called habit stacking. And this is beautiful what you're talking about because, for example, we're, we're all, let's say we get up in the morning, we might have a cup of coffee or make a cup of tea. So fine, use that time to have a moment of awe. You know, um, if you, you're a tea person or a coffee person, you know, take a whiff of the aroma of, of the tea or the granules of coffee and really savor that. That can be a moment of awe. Um, if you can have a stack, a moment of awe in brushing your teeth, which might sound silly, but really you can be in awe of, of, of your, your dental care of your teeth, of what toothbrushes do <laughs> toothpaste. I mean, all this stuff like preventative dentistry, like how luck, how blessed and lucky we are that this technology is all there that our ancestors didn't have. Um, so yes, awe is to be found, um, it, it's it's unlimited, really. It's in it's in every nook and cranny of our lives that is be, to behold and to be to be appreciative of. Yeah, it doesn't need to be the big, you know, the big things that you kind of think, right? I've got to carve out an afternoon to try and do this. It really is the very simple things. And I found so I I received your book in December, and it's something I kind of was you know trying to practice, you know, and. I've, so I've been doing it for like a month and a bit. Um, mm -hmm. And for anyone who's listening to this, like I really do recommend you get the book because you have a great section where um, you kind of offer suggestions um, to kind of really tap into those sensory things. It's not like you kind of go, oh, what do I do now? Like you've really helped guide, you know, you, you hold people's hand and help kind of get them through to really let this become part of their day. Um, and it's made such a big difference. I really can. I promise you. And I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you. Like, I promise you, I can really very quickly now be aware of my heightened nervous system and then do this and be very aware of it. Just kind of going to that like place of safety, that safe, that sense of rest and digest. And that's where the healing takes place, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So um, you brought up a lot of points that I will touch on just right now. So one about healing. So we do have a, a chapter or section of our book that we talk about healing and how important it is for us to feel safe and for our nervous system to be in that rest and repair state, the, what we call the parasympathetic state. And part of the design of the awe method, this practice that takes five to 15 seconds to do, is to cultivate that reset to our nervous system to create that, that state of pure presence and healing to occur. Um, I think I should probably just chat briefly about the awe method. I think it's I know. A good, I'm good... literally just thinking, oh my God, these poor listeners are like, come <laughs> on, you too. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. <laughs> um, and, and as you were talking about Flick in, in our book, we do have 30 extended awe practices that really it just really cultivate a deeper sense of connection and um, level of consciousness, heightened state of consciousness. And um, I won't have a chance to go into it during our podcast, but it's, we do talk about this really in detail in our book, is what the awe method is doing is, is that it's elevating your level of consciousness. And this idea of the three levels of consciousness that Jake is teaches about, it's really his life's work um, that he and his wife They've been teaching uh, spirituality consciousness retreats for many years, and they came up with this model. And so the awe method 
fits into this model in terms of how it um, can elevate our level of consciousness from the normal, ordinary day-to-day stuff when we're feeling like a heightened sympathetic arousal, that fight or flight state that just happens with our day-to-day life versus living in that more spacious state of pure presence and awareness and beingness. Um, and so the awe method is what is a, one tool to take us to that heightened spiritual state. So what is the practice? Well, um, as I said earlier, we use the word awe, A-W-E, as an acronym. And I'm going to be mindful not to give someone like an orgasmic awe experience right now, because <laughs> I know when I listen to podcasts, I'm usually driving the car yes. and I don't want someone to get distracted and get an accident <laughs> with such a profound moment of awe, but I'll just talk you through it and, uh, you know, encourage people to go to the resources on our website, take a course that we offer or get the book. I mean, there's just, um, a lot of, of ways we can try to help you cultivate your, what we say you build your awe muscle. So A stands for attention. So what we're asking you to do is to just bring your full undivided attention to something that you value, appreciate, or find amazing. So as I was sharing right now, I'm looking at Flick on the screen and in front of me, I'm just visualizing this beautiful, I think it might be even a money tree plant that's in her, <laughs> um, in her office. <laughs> and, um, I can see the light reflecting through through her window and just like really bring my full undivided attention to this moment. And wherever you are right now listening, I'm sure something in an, whether you're at home or you're outside, there's something that you can really bring your full undivided attention to that you value, appreciate, or find amazing. And then the W is a wait. And we're just waiting for maybe the cycle of a breath actually, but we're just, when we wait, we're really gifting ourselves. If you think about when someone you're walking with somebody and they open a door for you and they're waiting for you to go through the door, like we're basically doing the same for ourselves. We're we're honoring ourselves, we're gifting ourselves a, a moment of pure presence in waiting. And that's the W. And then the E stands for a, a a longer exhale than your inhale. And when you take a long exhale out, and you know, it's funny when you sound, make the sound ah, like ah, <laughs> you're actually making that long exhale. Yeah. And when you do so, you stimulate your vagus nerve and the vagus nerve is attached to your the bottom of your diaphragm. And the vagus nerve is that master computer of the autonomic nervous system. So, you know, we can, I, I'm, I'm in total awe. It's funny, I, I went to, I went to a, a my friend's a chiropractor and I got an adjustment yesterday and uh, he had this old poster of the nervous system and the bones, whatever the anatomy on his wall that looked really dated, but I was just so in awe of the wiring of our bodies, you know, our, all the nerves that are so complex and the muscles and the joints. I'm just, I had an awe moment right there, but what's, what's so incredible if you think about it and can be in so inspired with awe of is that we don't have to think to breathe. We don't have to think to build for our heart to beat. Like all this stuff happens autonomically, our digestion, all these processes, our immune system. But there is there is a, a part of our body that's controlling all these autonomic processes in terms of the wiring of the nervous system. It's called the autonomic nervous system, the ANS. And half of it is what's called the parasympathetic aspect of it. And um, the other half is the sympathetic, that fight or flight state when we're under threat. And so when we stimulate the vagus nerve, we're really bringing our heart rate down, 
we're coming to a state of coherence where we're allowing our that rest and repair state to happen. And then the final part, the E also stands for expand. Mm-hmm. And that's that that sense of the vastness that we're talking about, that you let that awe moment really fill you up. And um, if you're a visual person, you can almost visualize with your eyes closed, you know, that moment of awe expanding inside of your body and even going outside of your physical limitations of your body and just kind of spreading out into space. Um, and that's often when we have that expansion is when you get the chills or the tingles, right? The, the, they, they measure it scientifically. They call it like piloerection. It's the the little hairs on your arms, you know, they stand up because they're those are the chills you get when you have a, that profound moment of awe. So it's important to talk about just briefly um, is that awe happens on a spectrum, right? So want your listeners to understand that not every time you're going to have a moment of awe, you're going to have what we call the orgasm. That's the far end of the spectrum where you get those complete body tills and tingles, t- tingles, or you might start crying. You know, those that's the type of awe you have when. Um, of course, like when you see a child being born or the most profound sunset, or you're celebrating with all your loved ones and you just have this moment of reflection that's really profound. Um, but on a daily basis, more likely you're gonna, your awe moments are going to be kind of sublime. They're going to be more subdued. They're going to just be gentle and subtle where you're going to feel maybe a slight shift in your level of awareness. Um, a lot of people experience when they have an awe moment that they become the observer of the observe. So it's almost like you step out one level behind your head and you're you're noticing what's happening on another level, a deeper level of a presence and awareness. Like we, yeah, we call it like a, a meta state. Um, and ultimately what happens is at first you have to put effort, you know, a little bit of effort to focus and to, to make these awe method, the awe method to put it into action. But What's beautiful is we're asking you to do it all, you know, throughout the day, at least three times a day, but from our studies, but to do it throughout the day, when you do your normal stuff, you don't have to do anything special. Like when you're walking your dog to the park, use that as a Mm -hmm. chance to have a moment of awe, um, appreciating the sky or the the trees you walk by or the flowers, whatever, um, appreciating your children and, or your loved ones, um, are wonderful times to experience all throughout your day. And ultimately you build your muscle. And what you were talking about, I think you talked about earlier, Flick, is that eventually you start to have spontaneous moments of awe where awe is completely effortless. Like you just doing your stuff throughout your day and then something catches your attention and you have an awe moment that just bubbles up. And it's just beautiful where eventually you'll probably have maybe 20, 30 moments of awe throughout your day with no effort. They just bubble up and it changes your whole experience of the world. I love this quote by Rabbi uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel. Um, He was really good, uh, a contemporary of uh, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. A lot of the pictures where he's marching, he's the, the man to the side of him. He's dressed like a rabbi. Anyway, he has this quote and he says, our goal should be to live life in radical amazement. Get up in the morning and look around at the world in a way that takes nothing for granted. Everything is phenomenal. Everything is incredible. Never treat life casually. To be spiritual is to be amazed. 
Oh. And of course, it's all about Oz, what we're talking about here. It really is. That's lovely. That's really lovely. I mean, it's it's fascinating, isn't it? Um, because I think a key component of burnout is just you're constantly on that hamster wheel, aren't you? You're just like running on that hamster wheel. And, um, you, you know, even if you can get off, you are you almost don't want to because you're terrified of what will happen if you don't get off, if you get off and then how are you going to get back on? And I just think, you know, the pace of life has just been so fast recently. Um, and what I love about this practice is it just like that quote, it really does put you in that place of slowing down. And so like I try and go for a walk every day Um and definitely because I'm always wanting to learn, I'm always thinking, okay, I must listen to a podcast and I must do this. And I, I'm almost giving myself a to-do list just to go for a walk. But actually, since reading your book, Michael, I'm definitely like, okay, let's start off just going for a little walk and just paying attention. And it's just just that simple act of walking down the road and just being kind of aware of the sensory like the feel of the I don't know the wind on your cheeks or the sound of the snow when I'm walking and that instantly puts me it just shifts me and I start to calm and then I can listen to a podcast or whatever or sometimes I don't sometimes just the quietness is what I need and I think so many of us forget to tap into that yeah, it's beautiful what you shared. I I think you just I want to say you hit it on the nail. Is that, um, and I I, I really resonate with you. I, I feel like we're like we're we're twins here in many ways, <laughs> like separated at birth. I, I I'm like the constant to do list maker and um total overachiever, and uh, <laughs> we can't help it, can we? It's like I'll I'll have that moment of calm, and then immediately my mind wants to start like gets all excited and energized and like starts wanting to do more stuff. <laughs> yes. But um, anyway, uh, yes, what's, what's beautiful, you know, in terms of burnout. So um, I teach this a lot to doctors and nurses. I mean, this is uh, healthcare is, is my jam, but I really think that, that this work applies to all service related industries any anyone that's like serving the, the a, a, a population of people and interacting with people um i even was contacted recently by um one of the big judges in california to teach this to the judges during judges week and as a health self-care because judges face burnout as well as you can imagine um but what is so amazing about this practice and what I'm so excited and thrilled about, because I used to teach the more traditional mindfulness, is that this practice can be done on the go, anytime, <clears throat> any place. So, and I think another topic to bring up that's important, because you alluded to this, is that it's effortless and it should be easy. If you are trying hard to have a moment of awe, you're not going to be able to have a moment of awe. Awe requires what we call presence. It requires that state of where you're not pushing yourself, where you're not forcing things to happen. An awe moment will, it just bubbles up. And so what you're doing when you go on the walks you're talking about is that you're bringing your full undivided attention to that present moment of the walk. And you're, you're just opening up to the field around you. And, you know, you walk by, you might see 
you know, a narcissus bowl popping up, you know, first signs of spring coming when the ice starts to thaw, you're like, wow, I didn't see that yesterday, you know, yes. and it just brings you a sense of awe. Or, I mean, I, <clears throat> I live in Cal- California on the coast, but I, I love being up in the mountains and just up there earlier this week and in awe of the snow and the beautiful patterns that snow creates and even in awe of the dirty snow on the side of the road <laughs> <laughs> and and the embankments that happen with snows it's just you know it's it, it's in, there's awe to be held everywhere and so coming back to the whole around work and burnout what's beautiful about this practice is that i can have an awe moment in between patients and completely reset my nervous system. And I do this. This is just part of my practices. This is what I teach other healthcare professionals to do is when you leave a room to, to have a brief pause, to have that brief moment of awe. And again, it takes just 15 seconds, five seconds to do. Everyone can go through a cycle of a breath and have a moment of awe. And then when you go into the next patient care room, you're refreshed. You've sort of wiped off the residue of that last visit. And I'm a pain management doctor and my patient visits are often quite challenging. You know, people that are struggling with chronic pain, um, they they bring a lot of despair and, and some sadness and chal- it's a challenging visit quite often. And so it's really profoundly changed my practice. And I've heard from other providers that it changes their way of practicing medicine. And what's beautiful is that well, as we know more and more in studying the importance of like the doctor patient or nurse patient relationship is when we come as providers fully present and we're listening and we're attentive that that is so much of the healing that occurs it's just being held and being witnessed um and sadly, you know, what most doctors do is they come in the room, they're running behind, so they're like feeling rushed, and then they sign on the computer, <laughs> which <laughs> takes a minute or two to do, and then they're just looking at a screen the whole time, more than like really present with you. And I love sharing moments of awe with my patients, and sometimes that's how I start a visit, as I go up to them and, you know, touch them and make a connection on a human level, and then ask them about a moment of awe that they've had since I last saw them. And then they share their awe and I immediately watch their nervous system change um, out of that fight or flight state to one of more rest and presence. And then I'm inspired by their awe. And then we get to, they might ask me about my awe moment and there we go. We're off running on awe and um, how different the visits go and, and how much joy that we both get out of connecting in that way. So yeah. um, I'm really excited, you know, to take this work into healthcare and other service industries. You know, I was thinking about, you know, with all the problems with air travel lately and how stressful it's been during the holidays and just ongoing you know, it, traveling and the planes are just aren't fun anymore. Um, that some airlines needs to bring this back, like bring the awe back into travel and into air air travel. I mean, there's so much awe to be had in in flying and traveling around places and it's it could radically change how i i think flight attendants are you know people that work in call centers people that work in you know in the food industry every industry can benefit from having more awe because we know from the research out there that sadly americans nor uh united states <laughs> primarily is, is the most awe-starved culture on the planet mm. um and we need all more than ever 
really to heal um, ourselves, but also to heal bigger issues on the planet, which I'd love to talk about at some point before I wrap up today. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, what's really interesting, you talking about your pain management work, because when I was reading the book, um, I used to do play therapy within pediatrics, right? And so, um, to help kind of kids if they were going through like an invasive procedure or something like I would often use guided imagery. And when I was reading your book, I was like, Oh, I wish I'd known about that back then because definitely like, you know, if you're kind of very heightened and certainly for a kid when they're very heightened and there's lots of noise and, you know, kind of that clinical environment can just be like, Whoa, it's hard to kind of concentrate and go through a guided imagery session with a play therapist. Whereas I was like, Oh, if I'd known this, I would have started with moments of awe and I could have got them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. children and children, as you know, you know, you're a parent, I'm, I'm a yeah. parent as well. Um, uh, they're like the original generators of awe. I mean, the children see the world uh, through a sense of wonder and amazement. And um, as they get older, they lose that, <laughs> especially yeah. quite often in teenagehood. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 living life with childlike wonder is what being in awe is like. And um, What's so beautiful again is this practice is it can be done anytime, any place, anywhere. And and you know, I I've been deeply practicing this now for three years. And I can I can tell you, you know, I've seen not just in myself, but the people around me and the people that that love me and care, you know, a big part part of my lives. I mean, we've all shifted our levels of consciousness in profound ways to really live life with so much more presence and joy. Um, it's wonderful to to have a meal with people and to ask when you you give your thanks for your meal to also share a moment of awe. Like, what was your awe today? Mm. And to ask your kids what that is or your spouse and how exciting that is to then have conversations that fill your table talk around awe that's positive and healing rather than, let's say, the negative stuff of the day. So it's it's a great way to, to break the ice yeah. um, in any conversation. Yeah. And this is why it's so needed in the world, isn't it? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. they say to change the world, you have to start at home first and, you know, to start from your kitchen table, sharing a meal, um, you know, sharing moments of an awe with your kids. And then the, the, the fact that those beautiful ripple effects, like maybe this is something then they'll chat with their friends. Like, I'm just like, let's get this out. Let's talk about this. Let's get your book out there, Michael. Like, you know, the world needs this so much right now. Your work is incredible. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I'd love to share a little bit from our epilogue, the end of the oh, book. Yes, please. I, think... I loved your epilogue. Go for uh, it. <laughs> thank you. <clears throat> but just as Flick was saying that it's more than just a self-help technique. Mm. And the implications of awe go well beyond personal transformation. Awe touches everything and perhaps most telling is the effect it has on others. We're wired to attune to others' behaviors and moods. Our nervous system senses the emotions of those around us. Just as being the recipient of a warm smile can lighten our mood, when we're in awe, those around us feel it too. Mm. Awe is contagious. And so practicing the awe method is one not-so-small way we can contribute to the world. In this book, we covered how the awe method is grounded in science, and that a whole body of science supports that awe changes lives. 
So we have a big simple crash ending to the power behind the simple practice of the awe method. If practiced frequently enough by enough people, a critical mass as it were, everyone would experience a significant heightened shift in consciousness. Awe changes us, and when we share our awe, we change the world. How can we be in awe of someone and physically or emotionally harm them? How can we be in awe of the natural world and destroy it? How can we be in awe of life itself and not live as if every day were a miracle? In awe, the tone of every conversation from the personal to the political shifts from having an agenda to being open and curious. Our conversations impact how we raise our kids, how we help our aging parents, how we treat our spouse, how we participate in community, how we mentor or supervise people, how we govern a city, and how we lead a nation. We can think of no downside of practicing the awe method because awe is the light. The appreciation of nature in different cultures, the curious and open mind, the generous and giving soul. Even during times of darkness, these days, we need awe more than ever. Oh, I love that. Every time, you know, when I read it, I got goosebumps. And just listening to you read it, I've got goosebumps. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been an incredible chat. I, I cannot wait for more people to find your book. I really wow. am. I'm such a believer. This is uh this 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 will change lives, Michael. You and Jake have done an incredible job and it's gonna change lives, and I just cannot wait. We need it. Thank you so much, Flick. I am so grateful for our hour together. And um, it so inspires me to see how inspired you are. And I'm in awe of, I, I must have had <laughs> 20 or 30 awe moments in our conversation today. And uh, um, I'm, I appreciate everything you're doing and being such a good cheerleader for our book. And I would love to get to meet some of your community. So drop us a, a hello. We have... Um, a wonderful website. It's thepowerofawe.com where we have an abundant of free offerings um, of some of our extended practices, a, a downloadable meditation. We have a, an ebook on there that we're giving out. Um, we also have a newsletter that's a, a moment of awe that we send you each week to inspire awe. Um, uh, we have our book, of course, and then some online courses. So um, oh. looking forward to having people out there to be part of the community of awe and really transforming themselves in the world. So fabulous. I'll to... put all of those in the show notes so people oh, can, you. you know, because I've also done that where you've listened to a podcast and you're like, Oh, that was amazing. And then you're like, Oh, what do I do now? Everything's going to be in the show notes so that you can follow Michael and Jake's work because um, you're not going to regret it. This is life changing stuff. So thank you so much for your time today. This has been brilliant. Thank you. I'm so honored and grateful. Okay. And in awe. <laughs> and in awe. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you, Michael. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Everyday Burnout Conversations. Take a peek at the show notes for any links to items discussed today. And if you want to continue the burnout conversation, you can find me on social media at Flick Taylor Writes, or you can head to my website, flicktaylor.com, if you're curious and want to learn more on what it's like to work with me one-to-one. -one. So in the meantime, rest up. Don't forget to take good care of you. And bye for now. <laughs>